Blog Talk Radio. conversation because it is something I believe if we're all really honest with ourselves, no matter how long we've known God, how long we've been saying we're a Jesus girl or a Jesus guy or whatever, there have been some times when we were faking being fine. And so you will definitely be able to relate to our guest today, Esther Fleece. She is the author of one of my favorite books. I'm telling you, if I had a book club, this would be the first book that our book club would read and discuss for 2017. Yes, No More Faking Fine by Esther Fleece. <laughs> happy, happy, happy New Year. This is actually my first show for 2017 on the radio, on my radio show. Yes. Wow, I just realized that, and what better guess than than to start off 2017 with than Esther Felice, and I'm telling you, I am now a student of hers. I am reading this book. I have underlined, I have highlighted, I have had to put this book down and go away from this book so many times because... Oh, my goodness, she is stepping on my toes. She is really causing me to go in places that I had closed off. I didn't want to deal with it, and I am definitely one of those um, persons who fake fine when I'm not feeling fine, and not just in public, but the sad part is, and the part that I, I repent of is I have faked fine with my father God, who knew and knows that I'm not fine with it, with things that are going on or things that I've done or said or other people have said or done to me, but I just pretended that I was. So this book is like, oh, my goodness. So (laughs) we are waiting on Esther to call in. 
and as soon as she does, I will definitely bring her in. But I was on her website, and I gathered um, just enough um, of her bio to kind of share with you just for the sake of introducing her to you, because I want you to know her as well as knowing about her book. <laughs> so um, Esther shares those experiences in greatest depth for in her first book, No More Faking Fine. And the book just came out this month <laughs> in hope that readers will apply the events and learnings of her life to their own disappointments and injuries, resulting in new hope, healing, and health. In addition to writing and speaking, Felice is founder of and CEO of L&L Consulting Incorporated, where she helps new and established Christian ministries develop innovative strategies for nonprofit sustainability, new business development, next generation outreach, marketing and communications, and relationship brokering. She is recognized as a trailblazer among millennials, working for a decade to connect influential individuals and organizations across generations to their mutual benefit. And get this, CNN has called Fleece one of five women to watch in religion. USA Today has named her one of the new faces of evangelism. And Christianity Today and Outreach Magazine have also singled her out for her high-profile work. Her insights into experiences and aspirations of millennials have appeared in the Washington Post, CNN, as well as in Vanna, no, Barna Research, President David Kinnaman's book, You Lost Me, Why Young Christians Are Leaving Church and Rethinking Faith. When Esther isn't teaching, leading, writing, speaking, reading, connecting, or traveling, guess what? She is shopping. <laughs> so just to give you a little, in, <clears throat> excuse me, give you a little insight of who this amazing, phenomenal, transparent, showing us, oh my goodness, all her her secrets, so that we can relate to what she's telling us, and we can definitely um, count her as someone who knows exactly what they're talking about because she shares a lot of her personal story and I want her to come on and share that as well with you but um, so far you know like I said (laughs) oh this is funny this is not funny in a ha-ha way but it's funny in an ironic kind of way because I've been dealing with this faking fine thing for a while I don't know I can't trace getting of it when I learned this habit of fake and fine or where I where I actually learned it from, but I am like boss when it comes to that. But I am in therapy now, thanks to Esther's book. I am a recovering, recovering fake and fine, no more pretending um, person. So I think she's calling in now. So let's just go to the phone lines and check out. Hi, this Hi, is Loretta. Loretta this is Esther. Are you Esther? Yes, yes ma'am. Hi there. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm recovering. I'm, I'm like recovering seriously with this cough and cold crap, but I'm also a recovering. I was just saying that on the show. I'm recovering from faking fine because of your book. I'm now oh. a, recover, a recoverer. Sister, you, you are in good company. I'm glad to have you with me in this. <laughs> <laughs> So I've already given um, your bio, and I, I've shared with you, I've shared with our listening audience what um, 
your hopes and dreams were by sharing some of your deepest secrets and that how it is very okay and acceptable in our father's eyes for us to lament and how this is not a new concept, but one that you have certainly seemed to have mastered or you are in your um, search of mastering it and becoming really good at it. And and so just Mm. jump in there. We only have a few minutes. So I want you to do most of the talking because I'm, like I said, I'm giving over this cough cold thing. And I love your book, by the way. I love, 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 love your book. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I um, start the book by just sharing a story. When I was a 10-year-old girl in a courtroom, I was having to testify at a a criminal trial, actually, that uh, both my parents were in the courtroom, but on opposite sides of the aisle. And, oh, it was just one of the worst stories. I still have a hard time telling it, to be honest. And uh, my father's lawyer took a diary out, uh, my diary out, and asked me to read it out loud in front of the courtroom. And I was so embarrassed. I was just 10 years old and I fell on the witness stand and was weeping. And in a moment I needed compassion and I needed comfort and I needed somebody to come to my rescue and defend me. The judge stood up and said, you need to suck it up. You need to suck it up. And you know, you need to answer the questions with a yes or no. And my grief, that's how my grief was met. And I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And I carried that into adulthood. I just thought I'm not supposed to let people see me cry I'm not supposed to be weak. I'm not supposed to be in need. And so I wasn't intentionally faking fine. I just thought it was what you were supposed to do. And uh, sure enough, you know, after years and years of stuffing heartache that we all go through, I became exhausted. And that's why I had to stop faking fine. Oh, my goodness. And I can so relate to this. And I was also sharing when we were, um, before you came on, I don't know how I got to that point of fake and fine. I don't know where I got it from. My mom, I don't remember my parents telling me, um, just suck it up. I just don't remember those being the words. So maybe I didn't start this as a child. Maybe this is something I've picked up in my adult life, but I have definitely I am like boss when it comes to faking that everything's okay. And so when I started reading this book, I cried. I literally, and not Mm. once, more than once, because I was like, Loretta, you're doing all this for, you know, work and thinking that you can work and be good. God, he demands that we're always good and that we always just so happy, 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 except the circumstances in our lives, even if we were the persons or the uh, was responsible for whatever it was that was causing us to feel like this is not good, this is not mm-hmm. enough, I should have more, or I didn't mean to be that way, and then we started just pretending. I don't know where it started. You know, I, I, that's, I let the reader into my journey, too, is I didn't know where it started either. I mean, I had to do some self-reflection, and nobody likes taking time for that. But we got to look back to where that Mm -hmm. mentality came from and why we have such high expectations for ourselves. I mean, life is hard and there's nothing wrong with saying it. And there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you if you're having a hard season or if you're having a hard day. Um, I really want this book to give people permission to lament, to say, you know, it's, it's not only emotionally healthy to admit life is hard, but it's spiritually healthy to be in need. And so there's really not a lot of benefits to faking fine. It shuts down relationships with other people and it shuts down relationships with God. So I want to give the reader permission to not be okay. Oh, it's so good. And 
I wish we could get this book into everybody's hand who has a Bible, number one. I feel mm-hmm. like that is just the starting place because they have to know. I mean, I can just count off people that I know maybe they're not like a 24-7 faking fine, but they revert to that. There's like their plan A is mm-hmm. I got to put my game face on, I got to put my mask on and pretend that it's okay. Now, I, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that you wear your feelings on your shoulder or that you keep having all these pity parties. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> it's much deeper than that. It is so yeah. much deeper than that. But I think those the mentality of a pity party and a woe is me starts with that somebody says suck it up at some point. You can't allow your feelings to be authentic and real unless they're just good, happy, happy, joy filled, I'm happy with the way things are going kind of feelings. So what was it right. that pushed you to saying, God, I just gotta be honest with you. I just gotta be honest with you. I I'm this is breaking my heart. Yeah. You know, I saw all these uh, commands, if you will, in scripture to be joyful always and pray continually and don't be anxious about everything. And and I took all those to heart. So I thought, okay, I'm not supposed to be an anxious Christian. I'm just going to shut it down. I'm just going to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I missed all the invitations to come to God. You know, God says, come to me, those who are weary, those who are burdened. I will give you rest. It says that God comforts the brokenhearted. He draws near to them. He hears their cry. He says that he bottles their tears. God actually keeps track of our tears. I missed all these invitations and permission to not have it all together. And so I just had difficult circumstances that I talk about in the book when I was doing everything right. You know, from the outside, everyone would say, Esther's a good person. She's working hard. She cares for others. I was doing everything right. And 20 years later, I had, uh, was tormented again by my biological father, and he began stalking me. And I lived every day fearful, every day not knowing if I was going to live again. And I just couldn't pretend to be happy. I couldn't fake fine. My circumstances were not fine. And so it was through that that I, I had no choice but to lament. It's the only thing that I could do to keep, to stay in relationship with God, honestly, I couldn't offer just those happy prayers and happy songs and raise my hand at church and say, I have the joy, 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 joy down to my heart. It was a lament that saved my faith and that rescued my faith when I was in distress. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think that there are some people, and for some reason, because I know my audience is mainly um, women, especially women get this or subscribe to, I got a fake fine. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, how do we, I mean, are there going to be some lamenting pop-ups? Because I just think you're on to something, and this is such a rhema <laughs> word. that <laughs> Some pop-ups. Um, so what's, what's your goal? Because I know it just can't stop with this book, because this is like creating awareness. And now that we mm. have this awareness, how do we go deeper with this and to, to really yeah. um, soothe our souls? You know, I want to say it is uncomfortable when you end the pretend and when you expose a little bit of your heart, especially those things you don't want other people to see or to know about. It can be scary. It can be uncomfortable. But in the same way that people wound us, you know, that judge wounded me, my parents wounded me, people in the church even intentionally and unintentionally wounded me. People will also be a catalyst for our healing. 
and they will be an instrument for our healing. And so I just want to say to your listeners that we don't have to do this alone. We aren't left to figure this out by ourselves. You don't have to be married to have somebody close to you that you can lament to. Jesus modeled lament and he wasn't married. (laughs) You know, I mean, we can ask God to bring safe and trusted people to us that we can start to open up about our lament and let people be instruments towards our health and healing and wholeness. Okay, it's like we just dive right in. And I know for the sake of our listeners, again, I'm always trying to think of those who are not where I am or you are spiritually. So can we just give your what you found out lamenting is? And mm, then I yeah. want to go to the book because when you see my book, you'll like, she surely has read this. It is, it looks like a war zone almost, but. Oh, I, I Loretta, just, thank I, you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we were having church, honey. We were having church with this book. I was. And so let's just well, define lamenting. because yeah. I'm so glad you asked because I got to tell you, I mean, I was in the church for over a decade and I had never heard the word before. So, it, you know, all of us lament. Lament is an expression of grief or an expression of heartache. Um, but I'm defining throughout this book lament as an expression of grief that God meets you in. Because I do believe that every single human being who laments, that there is a God who desires to meet them in their distress. And so that's why I say lament. It's an expression of grief, yes, but it's an expression of grief that God meets you in. Mm. And it's so honest and pure. That's because I think, and, and you talk about this in your book, how we can just be like the perfect little Christian and we know we've learned enough about the Bible and scripture to be dangerous, to make people think that, you know, I got it all together. Jesus is Lord over my life. And I mean, it's like kumbaya 24 seven. That's who we are, mm-hmm. but that is the worst thing we can do. And I think that's also what happens. And, and I love how you are really, um, your target is our millennium because we've done them a disservice by pretending that you've got to be perfect when you become a Christian and that life is perfect when you become a Christian and that you don't question God, you don't um, talk about how you really, really feel about something, you stay in the positive, we teach prosperity prayers, we, we even mm-hmm. talk, are talking more about forgiveness prayers. But I love mm-hmm. how you are starting a conversation about lamenting. And, you, and you know, Lamentations, the book, the book in the Bible, oh, my goodness, who doesn't know that? But I never <laughs> looked at it the same as when I mm. looked at it now when I start reading your book about that's what well, it's about, people being very honest. Yeah, and, and isn't it something that, that Jesus himself, I mean, who is who mm-hmm. we are supposed to be modeling our lives after, Jesus himself led us into his lament. He grieved when his friend died. Why on earth would we hold ourselves to a standard that Jesus Christ himself could not meet? If Jesus was known as a man of sorrows and he was familiar with suffering, why do we think we are supposed to get to a place in our life that is void of suffering? It's just not, it's, it's not going to happen here on earth. <laughs> and so it's not that I want to depress people with this message. I actually want to give them hope that if your life isn't going right, it's liberating. It might not be your fault. You know, it's just, that's life. It's painful. It, curveballs are going to hit us and it's going to be hard. And, and the enemy is going to want to take us out. But if we know this language of lament, if we tuck it away in our hearts, 
when those storms come, we have a language to pray and to get through those turbulent times. We don't have to be abandoned when things go wrong. Wow. And and we learn so much from, you know, we, from being children, we learn how to act as adults, especially when it relates to church and being Christian. Because I, I read where the person, and I actually know a worship leader, a female worship leader where this happened to, and that's all I'm going to say because she is very, very well known in where I live. And how she has told me countless times how they've told her to kind of hold back her emotion or that she was too emotional when she worshiped. Mm-hmm. And I saw where mm-hmm. that happened to you too. So mm-hmm. I, I just can't imagine. I mean, it broke her to tears, but she yeah. had to, you know, she had to quickly get over it cause she had another service to worship at within mm-hmm. the hour. Loretta, so yeah. she, I, w- we are wounding one another. We are wounding with one another with these prescriptions that we have these expectations on people. And, you know, I just, I am not a Bible scholar, but when you look at the Bible, it's really hard to find somebody who withheld emotion to God. I mean, withholding your story doesn't give God any more glory, you know? And so we can come to him with the entirety of what is in our heart the good and the bad, and he is big enough to handle it and not just handle it, but walk us through it. Because he already knows. It's the beauty of it. He already (laughs) knows. He just wants us to be honest. Yeah. It's like he already knew where Adam was. He already knew. Mm. So there's no putting a fleece using your name over his eyes. Like he doesn't doesn't know I'm I'm faking it. Uh, And then this fake it till you make it thing. We've just, oh, my goodness. And I understand yeah. that because some people are prone to have pity parties and to stay there. But you shouldn't, that fake it till you make it shouldn't be something that people just give that like it's a one-size-fits-all thing. No, you need to deal with it. Maybe not in public, if that's what they're saying, then I guess. But when you come to God, and you should come to him often throughout the day and just tell mm. him your heart, just let mm. it flow out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I, you know, glad I you wrote the book, Loretta. and that's what I was saying. Um, one of my favorite things is on, cha- on page 40, and you were writing, what would happen if our pastors open up about their unanswered fears? What if our leaders mm. share with us their hurts and fears so that we could not feel alone in ours? The church is as healthy as when it is a safe place to lament, to heal, and to worship, and it is most most unhealthy when we don't allow heartache and disappointments to be expressed. And I can get why they don't want that to be like a norm because, you know, there are some people who will take it too far. But what about those of us who just need to hear? Because my pastor is really good. I go to Hope Presbyterian and Craig Strickland, and they're all very good at saying, you know, I'm not, don't put me on a pedestal. I have unanswered prayers. I have things that I struggle with too. (laughs) Right. Well, well you know, your friend you wrote that. Yeah, your friend who's a worship leader gave gave us a great example of um what not to do as a church leader. And mm-hmm. when we read um the when we read the laments in the book of Psalms, we see that this was the Jewish people's songbook. This was their prayer guide, and they would sing out songs of lament. They would not withhold their emotion from God. They would ask, "Lord, where have you been?" Have I lost your favor? Are you ever going to be compassionate to me again? 
you know, why are you not taking this for me? Where is your justice? And those were part of their songs. And so your friend who's a worship leader, she doesn't have to withhold her emotion. She can go to God with her emotion. And, and that's the thing is in the church, we should be able to be bringing our laments before God and, and not to get them silenced or not for people to just pray it away or pray prosperity over us, but so that we can be introduced to a God who listens to our laments, who knows that we are struggling and who wants to help us through, help us get to the other side. Because lament is not our destination, but it will be a part of our song here on earth. Mm, that's beautiful. Ooh, that's beautiful. And I love how you also remind us not to get stuck there, you know, because <laughs> mm. I know it is easy to, to get caught up in how bad things are, how, and you just want to go, 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 go in. Because I'm thinking once people hear this and they start, they'll that's all their prayers will become. But at some point you mm. still have to have faith and you have to trust God that, it is well with my soul and that all things yeah. work together for our good according to those, you know, God's purposes for us. So mm. this is just a part of, like you said, and you remind us too in your book, and I think you do that so well, this, and you just said, it's not a destination. It's not where you stay. This is a process. It is a mm-hmm. prayer. Like there are different mm. prayers for healing. There are different prayers yeah. for, um, you know, when you feel sad and for grief, this is a prayer for when you need to lament. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing to encourage your listeners is when I didn't see my circumstances changing, when I was praying and there was no relief in sight, there's something called a vow of praise that you can say, yet I will see the goodness of the Lord. And you hang on. You have perseverance. You endure even when the storm does not let up. And that's what our faith is for. We can get through those seasons and we can give God a vow of praise after our lament that, Lord, I'm hurting, but I believe you're going to see me through this. And we can invite others to pray for us, too, and, and tell them we need help believing. We're struggling. There's, there's nothing wrong with the lamenting prayer. God does not ignore it. He doesn't silence it. And it's never wasted. It's never wasted. Wow. So after we lament, what are the next, what's our next step? Well, you know, I talk about in the book, um, it it was a hard chapter to write, honestly, because I talked about lamenting in community. And I think most of us have examples where we were wounded when we let somebody into our pain, or maybe our pain was silent. You know, Job in the Bible certainly had that happen to him, even from his own wife. So um, next steps, you know, there is going to be, for some of your listeners, a a season where they just need to learn this language and give themselves permission to pray honestly before God. And that might be a season that they enter into, and I celebrate that. Um, Others maybe have lamented um, privately to God, but they've never let other people into areas of their life where there's pain. So I would want to say to them, it might be uncomfortable, but how can you let people into your distress so that other people can be used by God to encourage you and lift you up when you're down? And then for those of us that are in happier seasons, you know, I just got married a month ago. I'm so thankful. I am in love. I am loving the season of life. It's my opportunity now to look out for those who are lamenting. It's actually my duty as a Christian 
to find people who are hurting and to encourage them and to help them in their distress. So there's a role for all of us. Lamenting is not just for the faithless. It is also for the faithful, and it's a tool to help us look out for others in need. That is so beautiful. I wish we had more time. I knew I was going to need more time with you. I knew it once mm-hmm. I started getting into this book and doing the work. Um, but uh, we have one. Congratulations. Super, super congratulations on your on your marriage. Oh, my goodness. That is so beautiful. Thank you, Loretta. But my favorite, after we went through the lamenting, I love how you, and this is almost on the last page, on um, 212, you said, in God's grace, I like who I'm becoming. I have fought mm-hmm. hard to become her. That is the most loving statement that you could say to yourself. And I have often said that too. I'm becoming her. I love becoming Amen. her. Amen. Amen, wow. sister. You know, That's what the work will do. That's... My book. Yeah. And my book didn't end on this happy note. I mean, I got married after the book, <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. it's not always a circumstance change, but we can like who we're becoming on this road. And I'm proud of you for fighting to become her too. Oh, that's beautiful. We'll have to do this again soon. Again, enjoy your marriage. It is a beautiful, Thank ordained, you. blessing gift from God. And um, I know your book will do well. I know this is going to be life-changing for you in a big way and that so many people will be blessed and healed and God will get all the glory. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for being obedient. Absolutely, Loretta. Thanks for having me on today. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening and closing. As always, think positive, dream big dreams, help someone along the way. And we'll see you next time on Loretta McCary Live. Bye-bye, everybody.